Good morning, church. If you guys want to join me in John chapter 9. Oh, and by the way, men's breakfast Saturday, Jeremiah 21. There's the third time. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that the, this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, Siloam? Hmm. which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked, him, yeah. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, If this is your son, who you say was born blind, how then does he now see? His parents answered, We know, we know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know. Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know. That though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? He did, how did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why this the man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. 
Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. (sighs) Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, I praise you for this day. I praise you for the opportunity that we have to come together in your name, to worship you, to praise you, uh, to get into your word. I just ask that you would anoint Jackie, uh, that he would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that your spirit would move amongst this place, Lord. that you would speak to us and that your word would ever be in our hearts. Um, and I just lift up our nation as uh, it is politically charged, Lord, that we would remember whether uh, we agree with a certain platform or not, Lord, that you're our king and we're called to serve you first, uh, that we would not be divided, Lord, by our opinions or our ideology, uh, that if we profess you, that if we say we see then whatever political garbage is going on ultimately doesn't matter. That you have a plan and that my life is yours to guide, to lead, uh, to have with, to do with whatever you would. So I just pray that um, your church would be a voice in the nation, Lord. Uh, That we would not look to the politics as a voice, um, but that you would raise up people that uh, can be a voice in, in the media and in politics, Lord, but ultimately that um, we would be a voice unto ourselves for you, and that you would be spoken loud and clear. So I just lift up our nation, lay it at your feet, and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to be taking a look at the sixth sign. So if you remember, as we've been going through the book of John, the book of John has seven public discourses, seven signs, seven I am statements, all brought together for one purpose. What? That you might believe Jesus is the Christ and believing you would have life in his name. This is John's purpose. He's not interested like the other gospels in a chronological report. He's giving us events built around discourses and signs and statements that Jesus made so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. So as we look at this section, this one, John chapter 9, is probably my favorite chapter in all of the book of John. I I have taught this chapter more than any other chapter probably in the Bible. This is the one... When I was going through Bible college and I'd get a chance to teach, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but uh, I'd go, oh yeah, I'll teach John 9. And then I next time it'd come around and, hey, do you want to teach again? Well, I think I could do John 9. And so <clears throat> I spent some time in, in John chapter 9. As we look at this, uh, this, this story, we want to start with the condition of the man. It says in verse 1, right, as he passed by, He saw a man blind from birth. 
And so this is going to bring up some ideas. Now, there's a few things that we want to have in our mind as we begin to look at this sign. And one of those things is that healing was a messianic sign. You need to realize that it was not normal that somebody walked around Jerusalem and Galilee healing people any more than it would be normal today. Right? If you're walking down the road and somebody walked by and you were blind and they spit in your eye and all of a sudden you could see, that'd be abnormal, right? That's not part of your normal day. It was no different in their world. Sometimes we get the idea that the healing was stuff that was happening. It wasn't happening. It was a messianic sign so that the people would realize something different's happening, right? You know they have a whole chapter in the Bible about what to do when a leper was healed. You know they never needed that chapter? Do you know that when a leper got leprosy, he got ostracized, he lived in a leper camp, and that was it, that was life. Until Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you got lep, did I just die? Oh, I was too loud. I was getting too excited. I have too many monsters. <laughs> uh, it's not 11 yet, and I've probably passed my quota for the day of responsibly drinking energy drinks. <laughs> we have a group for that. We do. Great segue. All right. So I want us to understand, right, this is not normal. All of a sudden, during Jesus' time, these things are happening. And that is causing the people to say, who is this guy? Now, you also need to keep in your mind what the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 says that the condemnation that God has against mankind is that man knows the truth, but he suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. John tells us he does it because he loves his sin. So this is not a case where they don't really know what to believe. I, you need to know the people know what's going on. The Pharisees know what's going on. Everybody knows what's going on, but the people in power are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Now, does that shock you? That the people in power would suppress the truth? And the reality is, guys, the people in power, just like us, will do the same stuff. That's the condition of man. Man is a suppressor of the truth. That's what holds him in under condemnation before God. That what can be known of God is plain to him because God has revealed it to him. But man suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. So you have this man born blind. Isaiah 28, or sorry, 29, 18 says, in that day, now he's talking about the messianic day. In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the book. And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. Isaiah 35, 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Isaiah 42, 7. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. All things Messiah would do when he came. 
And Psalm 146.8, we'll talk about this a couple of times, but Psalm 146.8, it says, The Lord, Yahweh, Yehovah opens the eyes of the blind. Who opens the eyes of the blind? Yahweh, the Lord, he opens the eyes of the blind. That's what that capital L-O-R-D means. That's Y-H-V-H. Yahweh, Yehovah, the impronounceable name, the tetragrammaton, whatever you want to call it. That's God's personal name. Translated in English, capital L-O-R-D. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. God does it. It's the Lord who lifts up those who are bowed down, the afflicted. For the Lord loves the righteous. So we have this idea that, that there's going to be this incredible ability to recognize Messiah. When the Jesus came and they said, the Pharisees, think about it. They're asking Jesus, who, who are you? Your, your witness is no good because you're just testifying of who you are. You remember what Jesus said? My works testify who I am. Jesus said, you don't believe. Jesus said in John chapter 6, all that the Father gives me will come to me and I will raise them up in the last day. The question is, how does the Father give them? He gives them, according to John 6, 45, through the word of God. When you respond to the word of God in faith, you're given. If you respond to the word of God rejecting, what does Isaiah 55 say? Isaiah 55 says that the word of God will always accomplish what it's sent to do. You understand that the word of God either saves or condemns. You reject it, what happened? You're under condemnation. You receive it, what happens? You're under salvation. You understand the word of God, the word of God will always accomplish what it's sent to do. Here you have the word of God laid out. And the Pharisees, they know Isaiah, don't they? Yeah? They know Isaiah. It's not like, oh, I never looked, I never read that book. No, it wasn't like that. They understood what it said. They understood what was going on, what was happening around them. Jesus said, you don't believe it. You don't trust the word that God gave. You don't believe the word that Moses gave you. That's why you don't believe me. John chapter 5. So we have, this is the background. This is what's going on as Jesus sees this man. He saw him. I love that Jesus sees him. He sees you too. He has not lost sight of you. Just like the song we sang, right? I know that there's many of us in here with mountains in in front of you, struggles, difficulties, not sure how we're going to get through them. I don't know either. I wasn't so sure we are getting through 2020 and it looks like that's about to get wrapped up. Can only imagine what 2021 has for us. And the, the closer it gets, the dicier it looks, right? But I love, the, I love the song we sang. The Lord is here. He's bigger than the mountain. He's bigger than the problem. He's more powerful than the enemy. And I love what Phil said. Right? Do, are, we, are we under uh, punishment or is this God's plan? Sometimes it's both. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's both. Jesus saw the man. In Luke 7, 21, it says, In that hour, he, Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. 
And on many who were born blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered him and said, Go, tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. And the dead are raised. And the poor have the good news preached to them. And then Jesus said, remember, this is when John is doubting. John the Baptist is like, are you the Christ or should we look for another? You remember? What did Jesus say? I'm doing all the things the Bible said Messiah would do. Everything that the word of God said, believe what God said. Believe even more than what you can see. John's looking at prison. He's looking at at one day some guy's going to walk down here to my prison and lop off my head. You know, is this really your plan for me, God? So Jesus puts that last phrase in, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Sometimes we've got to trust God and walk through the fire. You heard of those three Hebrew youths, right? Rack, Shack, and Benny. <laughs> For all the Veggie Tail fans. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. They had lots of different names. What did they do? They're like, look, king, I'm not going to bow down no matter what you say. Oh, they hadn't read Romans 13 yet, huh? I'm not going to bow down no matter what you say, king. They were respectful. I'm not going to bow down. Our God is able to deliver us from your hand. And even if he don't, yeah, I'm not going to do it. So where do they end up? In the fire. But Jesus was with them, right? Jesus was with them. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. The Lord is there. So I want us to see, I want us to realize this is, this is all the background of all the things that's going on. Just like if somebody walked down the middle of Buell yesterday and started healing everybody he walked by, it would be a wild thing, right? That's how it is. That's how it was. So the disciples also see this guy born blind and they're like you and me. The disciples are always a picture of you and me. Jesus is always a picture of what we would like to be, right? The disciples look at this guy and they say, Rabbi, who sinned, him or his parents? He must have done something wrong for this to happen in his life, right? I mean, bad things don't happen to good people. If you're good, good things happen to you. Happens all the time. Good things, only good things happen to to good people. Rabbi, who sinned? And Jesus answered and said, was not this man or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in his life. That the works of God would be displayed. He becomes, this blind man becomes a trophy of God's grace. Are you a trophy of God's grace? Do you recognize God's grace in your life? I hope you are. I hope you do. It's not a, 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 a thing where, you know, people used to think, well, the gods are just afflicting my life so they can entertain themselves. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God displaying his grace in your life. God displaying his love in your life. God displaying his character in your life. And just like we did today as we worshiped, right? And Rich called us to raise our hands and surrender. Are you able to do that? 
I, I promise you, God can bring you to a place where you can do that. God can bring you to the place where you just lift your hands up in surrender. But I always look at the old stories, you know, the children of Israel in front of the Red Sea, and they start complaining, which is, you know, what's the rest of their life is going to be like. And I, and I think about that so that when things are happening around me and I go, oh, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why is this happening? Lord, are you paying attention? What's, most of those things are just honestly inconveniences. Uh, please, I'm not in any way suffering. There are people suffering immensely worse than I suffer, but it doesn't stop me from complaining. But I want to be able to praise him before I see his deliverance. That's my desire. Before the Red Sea parts, before God works it all out, I want to lift my hands and surrender and praise his name. Jesus says, nobody sinned. God's working. God's moving. The difficulties of our life are a part of the fall. The fall brings much of the suffering and pain and things that we see in the world, but we know that God uses all of those things for our good and his glory. Because he is a good God, good God, able to overrule the disaster of a child's blindness so that the first thing that child will see as an adult is the glory of Jesus Christ. That's pretty awesome. But it's all a question of where are we going to put our eyes? Sometimes we can only see the dirtiness. Sometimes we can only see the hassle. Sometimes we can only see the pain. Sometimes we can only see what a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pain in my neck. You know, you guys probably never have those people when your phone rings and you look at it and you go, ah. Uh. Oh, oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> right now, half of you are wondering, am I that person? <laughs> no, none of you here. Nobody here. Nobody here, nobody here is that person. But what we want to learn to do is see like Jesus sees, right? Here's an opportunity to see the grace of God work in somebody's life. That's how I want to see, right? That's how I want to, I want to view the things in front of us. We, he says in verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. While it is day, that's during Jesus' earthly ministry, his three years of ministry. He said, I got to do what I got to do while I have time to do it, right? This is the time of my ministry. Why? Because night is coming. What was that referencing? His death at the cross. The death of the cross. So night is coming when no one can work. You remember where everybody was when he was on the cross? They're running for the hills with the exception of a small group that was at the foot of the cross. Night is coming when no one can work, but as long as I am in the world, what's he say? I am the light of the world. I'm the one who makes it so you can see. 
You want to see, you want to be able to understand the world around you. You want to be able to understand the things you're going through. You want to be able to understand that stuff. Then you need to take out God's word and bury yourself in it. You need to pour it in. Why? Because it's light. It's light. It will help understand. It will help us see. It will help us recognize these things. And so I want you guys to realize, put yourself in a story. Jesus is not talking to the blind guy. The blind guy is just sitting there begging. The disciples are talking. Maybe he hears what's going on. They're probably close. But he definitely is not ready for what's next, right? Having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. That's odd, right? I'm blind and now here's mud in your eye. That was, it would have been strange to him, no? It would have been strange what was going on. He wipes, he wipes mud in his eye and he says to him, now go wash that off in the pool of Siloam. Thanks. It was a prime begging time. I could be down here begging and all these guys walking by, but now I got to walk to the pool of Siloam. You know I'm blind, right? So, so walking to the pool of Siloam is not some little thing, right? So he's got to go to the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Now there's a couple of things. We're, we're going to know in a minute it's a Sabbath day. And you know the Pharisees are always mad when Jesus does something on the Sabbath. Right? They actually had a rule that it is illegal. No, they had a rule. It's not God's rules. God said remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Man developed a bunch of rules on how to do that. So they had a rule that you could not make clay. You can't make clay on the Sabbath. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus made this on purpose. He said, they got a rule I can't make clay. I'm not allowed to heal on the Sabbath. I'm not allowed to make clay. I'm going to do both. So he spits in the ground, you know, whatever he rubs in his hands. Would you consider that work? Will someone pay you for that? Usually that's what I think. Yeah, someone might pay you for healing, but they're definitely not going to pay you for smearing mud in their eye. So he makes this, this clay on the Sabbath day. And then he sends him to the pool of Siloam. Now you remember during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would go to the pool of Siloam, fill up this water. Remember, and they'd come back and they'd pour out the water prophesying about the coming of Messiah. And they, they call that place, they call that, the, the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. But there's a, 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 Isaiah sings a song about it that they would read when they went to get their water. When they went to get their water to dump out at Tabernacles, which just ended, they would sing this song. It says in Isaiah 12, 3, with joy, we will draw water from the wells of salvation. So here Jesus tells the guy, go, go to the pool of Siloam. Draw some water from the well of salvation. He goes to this place and he t- 
takes a bath, reaches over, washes the mud out of his eyes, and as soon as he does, he can see. But he never saw Jesus. And Jesus is gone now. So it says in verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Now there's no reason for it to say it is the same day, could have been the next day, could have been a couple days later. We don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us. But at some point, the neighbors all look at it and go, wasn't that the guy who used to beg? Wasn't he blind? Right? Isn't that the guy? And some would say, uh, yeah, that's him. And others would say, nah, it's like him. He's like him. He looks like him, but that's not him. But he kept saying, no, it's me. You don't think he had a story to tell? What's the next thing that happens when God begins to transform our lives? People watching from the outside, they look in and they go, uh, is that him? I'm not sure that's him. I don't know if you are who you were anymore. I don't know if you are who you think you are anymore. He said, I'm the man, I'm him. So they said to him, how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went, I washed and received my sight. And they said, where is he? And he said, I don't know. I don't even know what he looks like. Last time I saw him, I was blind. Right? He rubbed mud in my eyes. I, I, don't, I don't know where he went. I, he could be standing behind me right now, right? He wouldn't know. He doesn't know what's going on. You have this man bearing witness. Now, we're going to see a progression of this man in his comprehension of who Jesus is all the way to the end where he worships him. So we're going to see this. And right now, he doesn't, he doesn't, I, don't, I don't know who he is. I don't know where he is. But I can promise you, pretty soon, Pharisees are going to poke their head in. Right? What's going on? What are you guys all over here talking about? You don't think that's true? Go to the Temple Mount. Today. Get in a circle. Watch what happens. Just like that. <laughs> you get in a circle on the Temple Mount today, and you'll be standing there. You're not allowed to pray on the Temple Mount. You're not allowed to touch on the Temple Mount. And they know all the Christians' tricks, you know. So if Christians get in a circle, they must be praying. You get in a circle, and you will be... Have these guys come from all around. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You can't do that here. You can't do that. So the Temple Mount now is just like it was then. People start having a talk. Wow, weren't you blind? You were blind. What happened? They start talking about all these things. <clears throat> they want clarification. Hey, if a blind man can see, and the Bible says that it's a Messiah that's going to do that, man, Jesus is the Messiah. Let's go talk to the Pharisees. So they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So there's the rub, right? It was the Sabbath day when he did this. So the Pharisees asked him again how he had received his sight. So now this guy who was blind and now can see and is pretty excited about something that God's done in his life and is trying to bear witness to what God's done even though he doesn't fully comprehend what that is yet. 
And he's trying to do that, and he enters into interrogation phase. They sit him down on a stool. They get some bright lights. They shine it on him. So what happened to you again? Now, he's going to be okay for the first couple times. But you guys all watch those police shows, right? And interrogation starts. Why do they ask you the same question over and over again? Oh, maybe none of you guys have been arrested. I forget. This is church. <laughs> um, so they ask you those questions over and over and over again to trip you up. To figure out if you're lying. So should you find yourself in that situation, <laughs> close your mouth and say, I need a lawyer. That's what you should do. So this guy's getting questioned by all these people and they, he said to them, look, he put mud in my eyes, I washed, I see. So it's about as simple as I can make this. Now, I'm sure the Pharisees are like, oh, wait a minute. That's the Sabbath. He made mud. Yeah, he made mud, smeared it in my eyes. Ho, 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 ho. He can't be a man of God if he made mud. Men of God don't touch mud. Men of God don't do things against our rules because we decide the rules of the guys who are men of God, right? Is that what's happening? So they say to him, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Look, I read to you from the Psalms. Who opens the eyes of the blind? Yahweh. There's, discussion is over. Discussion is over. Do you think the devil is running up and down the streets healing people? No, he is not doing that. They're not having to this. They're not having to come together and go. Oh, that healing may have been from the devil, but this one could have been from God. No, because God said the eyes of the blind are opened by Yahweh. Others said, "How can a sinner do signs like this?" And there was a division. What did Jesus say? He said, "Do you think I came to bring peace? No, a sword. I came to bring a sword, because Jesus Christ is the dividing point." He said, you are either for me or against me. So you have these guys. There's a division now in the Pharisees. Some of them are saying, hey, man, there's no way to get around this. This is a God thing. And the other guys are saying, no, he's a sinner. He made mud on the Sabbath day. So again, they say to the blind man, what do you say about him? He opened your eyes. Remember I said you're going to have a progression of his, in, uh, uh, of his understanding of Jesus. What's he say next? First, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what he looks like. Now he says he is a prophet. A prophet was somebody who tells you the words of God. Now here's the interesting thing. Moses, Deuteronomy 17, he says, one day there's going to be a prophet who comes to you like me. And you better listen to everything he says. Because if you don't, you will be held accountable for rejecting his word. So the man says, he's a prophet. Even this, these same guys, the Pharisees, they came and they asked Jesus before, are you the prophet? The definite article. They're talking about the prophet that Moses was referring to. Are you the prophet? 
Here he says, I believe he is, he's a prophet. So the Jews did not believe him. Shocking. Jews did not believe that he had been blind or received his sight. It's bogus. Look, I'm telling you, it's bogus. God would never do something like this. It's not possible. There's no way he'd been born blind or received his sight. So let's get the parents. Let's get their parents. So I remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you the number one witness in court at this time for you would be your parents, specifically your father. Your father bearing witness was the greatest witness. That's why Jesus said, my father bears witness to who I am. How did the father bear witness to Jesus? Through scripture. The Bible says God taught us, John 6, 45, God taught us through the prophets. I just read to you the prophecies that said this is what Messiah is going to do, right? If you believed God, Jesus said, you believe me. If you believe the Father, you believe me. If you believe Moses, you'd believe me. The problem isn't that, that you can't hear my words. The problem is you don't believe. Unbelief separated them from what God was doing. So he calls the parents and they say to the parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, well, yes, this is our son. And we know that he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he can speak for himself. If your parents ever say that in a court for you, that means they don't want to be involved. Right? He's old enough, ask him. Why are you, why are you asking me? I'm telling you he was born blind, now he sees. Now we know why his parents said this. Why did they say this? Because they were afraid. If anyone proclaimed Jesus is the Christ, he would be cast out. Wait a minute. Why would they need that rule? Romans chapter 1, you remember? This is the wrath of God against unrighteous men that they do what? Suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what is, can be known about God they know it's plain to them because God has shown them. He showed them through the prophets. It was right there in the word. They understood what was going on there, suppressing the truth. Why would they need to say, hey, 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 none of you say Jesus is the Christ. If you confess Jesus is the Christ, remember that just means if you say Jesus is Messiah, which is what the Old Testament said, the Old Testament said Jesus was Messiah, right? Remember the deal there's not like, you know, there was a hundred different blind people that got their sight this week. Which one do you think's the Messiah? No, it wasn't going on. So they, they're, they're saying, look, he, if anyone confesses Jesus to be Messiah, he'll be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. There's three ways to be put out of the synagogue, three forms of church discipline, if you will. Part one, rebuke. If you were officially rebuked by the synagogue, you would be put out of the synagogue for seven to 30 days. You have no communication with anybody in the synagogue. This is a rebuke. You're being rebuked for something you did wrong. You did something wrong. They rebuke you. Stay away for seven to 30 days. Then there was what is called being cast out. That's the second rebuke. For this, you are put out for 30 to 60 days. 
No contact with anybody. If anyone sees you, they will begin to curse you, to cast curses upon you. The third state of the rebuke is you are treated as dead and excommunicated. Now, this is um, stuff we pull up out of the Mishnah. If, if they ran it this way, they used the phrase cast out. So they're saying anybody who says Jesus is the Christ will be cast out. They're going to do 30 to 60 days of, of being excommunicated. 30 to 60 days put out. That means 30 to 60 days you have nowhere to buy any of your food. 30 to 60 days you, have, you can't rent from nobody. Nobody's going to talk to you. Nobody's going to look at you. Total ostracized from the society. For 60 days. I can tell you this. Nobody then had a freezer full of meat that would last two months. It was a big deal. The other one, the excommunicado, the excommunication, they would actually have a funeral for you. You're dead. You're dead to me. And so they would, they would have a funeral and, and the excommunication would take place. So his parents are afraid. They're afraid of being cast out. They're afraid of going through this thing. And so they don't want to go out on the hook for him. They know their son was blind. They know now he sees. They know what he says. But they don't want to bear witness for him. So verse 24, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. Now, you guys need to understand that phrase. In the Old Testament, there's a story of the children of Israel entering into the promised land. They have the Battle of Jericho. Everybody remember the Battle of Jericho? Go around the city, walls fall down, right? After the Battle of Jericho, the children of Israel decide they don't need God for the next battle because it's just a little battle. It's the Battle of Ai. And so they go to the battle of Ai and they lose. And when they lose, they're so shocked that they lose, they ask the Lord, why do we lose? And the Lord says, you have sin in the camp. You have sin in the camp. So they cast lots and they find the sin in the camp is with Achan. And they go to Achan and they say to Achan, give glory to God. We know you're a sinner. What they're saying is, hey, God has condemned you. We know that you've done this. It's, a, it's synonymous with taking a guilty plea. Just say you're guilty. It's a way of saying, just agree with us. This is our final rule. Jesus is a sinner, give glory to God. Not give God the glory for your healing. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about admit to our judgment Agree with our judgment. That's giving glory to God. Jesus is a sinner. It has, doesn't have anything to do with, it, with saying to God be the glory for my healing. That's not what they're doing. What they're doing is saying, you gotta, you gotta come along. And the man answers, look, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I know. I love this line. I was once blind, but now I. Didn't we just sing that today? I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Look, the accusations 
that they're bringing. Do they change the miracle? You still have a miracle sitting in front of you, a guy born blind who can see now. We're saying Jesus is a sinner. He can't be Messiah. That's the point. Give God the glory. He's not Messiah. Let's go on. And this guy's saying, look, man, I'm not sure what you're talking about. What I know is I was blind and now I see. So they ask him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He must have done some trick. And he answered them, I told you already, you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Now he's frustrated. Ready? Why do you want to hear it again? You want to be his disciples? You think he doesn't know that's going to make him mad? Yeah, little Johnny's done being nice now. Little Johnny is about to say, he's going to bring all this heat down on his head. He's looking at these guys and he's like, man, look, why do you keep making me answer the same question again? Do you want to become his disciples? Now, they, he knows if anyone admits Jesus is the Christ, we're going to put him out. They're going to be 30 to 60 days away from the community. Big threat. And so he says, oh, you want to be his disciple? You want to be his disciple? That would be a good thing, actually. But the formerly blind man is fed up. And they reviled him. That's Bible speak. For now they begin gnashing their teeth and getting angry at him. And they say, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Now this was their big claim. Read John chapter 5. John chapter 5, Jesus describes why it was that they did not believe. Why don't the Pharisees believe? They claim to be disciples of Moses. They claim to be following Moses. They're not following Moses. They're using Moses. They're using the law as a means to have power over the people. They're making money. But they don't believe any of it. They're utilizing the system to, to, to get ahead, to have power. And power is that great aphrodisiac form, right? It's just satisfying them and they just want more. Give me more power. Give me more power. Give me more power. And all of a sudden, here comes Messiah. And he's doing all those messianic things. And you know that's Messiah. You know it because the Bible shows you. Oh, the the guy healing the blind and, and making the lame walk and raising the dead. It's hard to miss that, right? Jesus said, because you don't believe Moses, you don't believe me. You don't believe Moses. They said, we're disciples of Moses. The words are the easy part. You can say anything you want. But they're not following Moses. They're not being obedient to Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. So the man answers. Now he's fed up too. Why, this is an amazing thing. This is why I love the Bible has sarcasm in it. Those of us who have the gift of sarcasm, listen, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he has opened my eyes. What did Psalm say? Who opens the eyes? Yahweh. So at the very least, where's this guy come from? Yahweh. But you don't even have to have a Bible degree to figure this out. You don't have to have graduated from their seminary. You can just look at it and go, yeah, the Bible says Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. 
This guy opened the eyes of the blind. Therefore, this guy is at least from Yahweh. Which is exactly what he said. I've come from the Father. Isn't that exactly what he told him? So, this is an amazing thing. You don't, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Now, what he means is that God doesn't do miracles, that God doesn't work through, the power of God doesn't flow through people who are uh, deceivers, people who are trying to pull the, the wool over others' eyes. God will not answer a sinner. He won't raise the dead for this person. He won't open the eyes of the blind for him. He won't unstop the ears. So we know God's not, he's not, he, he doesn't listen to them, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, if anyone, say, does everything that the Father says to do, let's say he does and speaks everything the Father tells him to speak, he says, we know if someone's a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens. So which one is Jesus? That's what he's asking them. This is just some blind guy was begging on the corner maybe a day or two ago. Just some guy holding a cup, couldn't even see the world. But he has an understanding, doesn't he, about the character of men, the attitude that people have. Never, in verse 32, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Ever. Now, you might have somebody who, who has fortiopia. You know, maybe somebody hit them with a two-by-four and they could see better for a day or two. I happen to know a guy who has diabetes. You know how he knows when his sugar goes out? He can see. The rest of the time, he's wearing glasses. So if he's got his glasses on, he's walking around, and all of a sudden he can't see with his glasses on, and he takes them off and he can his sugar's out of whack. But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying God has never opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man, speaking of Jesus, were not from God, from the Father, he could do nothing. So we have this progression still going on. The man who was born blind is learning more and more. He says to the Pharisees, if he is not... Of the Father, he cannot do the things he's doing. This is putting on screen the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes and the people of power. Putting on a screen their hypocrisy because they don't care about the truth. Didn't matter to them. They knew who Jesus was. They did not want him he came to his own in his own, what's it say? He received him not. They reject him. Isaiah 53. And we esteemed him smitten, stricken by God. We turned our face as it was from him. If he was not from God, he could do nothing. Verse 34. They answered him. You were born in utter sin. Now here's our problem. You were born in utter sin. 
how could they, if that sentence is incorrect, how can we make that sentence correct? I'll give you a hint. It's got a bad pronoun in it. It says, you were born in utter sin. It should say, we are born in utter sin. All mankind is born, right, in sin, separated from God. But you see what happens with the religious. This is what happens with people who like to look at the stuff they do. We've memorized the first five books of the Bible. That makes us holy. We never make mud on the Sabbath day, nor any of the other 101 rules of things you can't do on the Sabbath day. We don't do any of those. When we pray before the people, we make a loud noise about it, sound trumpets. When we give money to the poor, we want people to see us, and the more they see us, we want them to recognize the difference between us and them. But the reality is, all man finds himself condemned because man loves his sin. So Jesus came to shine a light that when we hear the gospel, when we hear the good news of Scripture, we have an opportunity when the word goes forth, right? We have an opportunity. Receive or reject. Receive the light and you'll see more. Reject the light and your heart gets hard. And that heart gets harder and harder and harder and harder until it don't just stays hard. But you receive you hear, you ponder. Why did Jesus, when he wrote seven letters to seven churches, why at the end of each of those letters did he say, let him who has ears, how many of that is us today? Raise your hand if you don't have ears. So that covers everybody. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. Do you want to hear what God's saying? Because a lot of people don't want to hear what God's saying. A lot of people have already made up their decision. I want to want this Messiah. A lot of people have already hardened their heart. And when the word comes, they reject it and they harden their heart. And the word comes, they reject it and they harden their heart. And you end up with these people that are so far out there, hearts so hard, they don't want to hear anything. Other people, when they hear the word of God, they open their heart to that word. I want to understand. I want to hear. Then Jesus says, listen, listen to the things that I say, listen to the things that are going forth. They ask this man, you were utterly born in sin and you're going to teach us? Long time ago, I learned that you can receive from anyone if you're willing. I have sat down with people who, if I just made a flash judgment of what they're about and who they are, I would have missed out on what they had to add, what they had to share, the insights that they had. But when we elevate ourselves above everyone around us, I hear people do it all the time. Especially with preachers. Preachers get it famously. I can't hear from that guy. He's weird. Or some other thing. 
These guys look at this blind man and they say, you're utterly born in sin. You're more sinful than us. We can't hear from you. You're not entertaining enough. We can't hear from you. We don't, we don't want to hear from you. We don't want to listen to the things you're saying. It's as close to sticking their ear, fingers in their ears and screaming at him. And then they cast him out. If that's the same phrase as the second level, cast out, cast out, they're both using the same words, and he's out 30 to 60 days, absolutely no contact with anyone. Now for a blind guy, he's like, what? this is easy time. You guys ain't been having nothing to do with me for most of my life. You walk by and maybe throw a, a coin in my cup. I can take that easy. I can see. They cast him out. They throw him out. This pomp, this judgment would be shouted. They would usher him out of their presence. They would begin to usher him off of the temple mount. They would begin to usher him out into the city, screaming as he went, unclean, unclean, unclean. But verse 35 says, Jesus heard they had cast him out, and he found him. I always like that. Jesus found him. He come looking for him. The guy's not going to find Jesus, right? He don't, he don't even know what Jesus looks like. But Jesus knows him. And he comes to him. He comes looking for him. Jesus heard they cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? There are two phrases that the Bible uses. Son of man, son of God. Son of God references the fact that Jesus is king. That's what son of God, it's a, it's a title. Son of God, he's, his rulership, he's Lord of lords, king of kings. He is uh, our great God and savior. Son of man is a title that references that he is on the throne next to the Father. Daniel chapter 7, one like the Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days, and the Ancient of Days says to him, Hey, sit on my throne. Who does God ever do that to? His Son. That's it. Sit on my throne. The Lord says, I, I am the Lord. I will not share my glory with another. Jesus prays in John 17, Father, restore to me the glory we had with one another before the world began. Because the Father and the Son, that triune relationship in Yahweh, Son of Man is a, is a divine title. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe I am? John chapter 8, 24, unless you believe that I am, you will. Die in your sins before Abraham was. I am eternal God, right? He's already gone through all this in John chapter 8. He comes to him and he says, do you believe I'm the son of man? He says, do you believe, <clears throat> do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, who is he, sir? He doesn't even know who Jesus is. Who is he, sir, that I might believe? And Jesus said, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. And I'm sure there's something in the man saying, I, I know this voice, right? 
But all he said to me was, go to the pool of Siloam and wash that mud off. And this man responded, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He worshiped. He came to faith. The journey of this man in meeting Jesus and understanding Jesus. And then he's, and, and I want you to see the Pharisees are still around this guy. So somewhere as they're ushering him off of the, of the temple mount and they're throwing him out into whatever corner of Jerusalem you could hang out if you were not clean, right? I'm, you know, everybody has the other side of the tracks. So they're taking him to that spot, right? They're taking him where he can go. The Pharisees are still there. Jesus says, when this man believes and he falls down, proskuneo, he falls on his face before Jesus and he begins to worship him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world. What's he judging? That those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Remember I told you the word of God always accomplishes what it's supposed to do. When it goes and it's received, it brings forth salvation. When it goes and it's rejected, it brings forth hardness of heart. There's another way of saying that. When it goes... Fourth, it brings more seeing. When it's received, when it's rejected, it brings forth blindness. So the Pharisees near him heard these things and they say to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you'd have no guilt. But now you say you see. So your guilt remains. What were they saying? They knew the truth and they suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. They're guilty. They're guilty. Just like all man's guilty. But when the word goes forth, just like the word this morning, when the word goes forth and it falls on ears willing to hear, it falls on hearts willing to receive, hearts are softened, eyes are open, you can see, you can respond. But if you reject it, Hearts get harder. Eyes get darker. Jesus said, I came that the blind would be able to see. Who's blind? Everybody. I came that the blind would see, but if the blind reject my words, then they become more blind. They will see less. Their hearts will grow hardened. How does this all start? Jesus standing before the people and saying, I am the light of the world. If you come to me, you will not walk in darkness. What's another way to say that? You won't be blind. Come to me and see. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to study your word, Lord, to to take a look at this beloved passage, to see this man born blind and brought to sight through Jesus Christ and how he illustrates how men can come to the light or men can turn to the darkness. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to the world to condemn the world, mostly because the world's already condemned. He came to the world to save it. 
And he said, this is the condemnation of the world. Light came, but men loved darkness more. It is our prayer this morning that men who hear the word would be drawn to the light. That they would turn from the darkness and they would allow Jesus to open their eyes. Lord, we pray that you would do a work in hearts this morning. Grant repentance that the blind eyes would see. Lord, we pray that you be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.